Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 265 with Peter Shankman. I think you'll love this chat because Peter is talking about productivity from a unique vantage point, and that is of someone who has ADHD and how he uses that to his advantage, and we can all benefit from it. So you'll learn, one, four simple rules to be more productive, two, tricks to eliminate distraction, and three, why you should always ask for a deadline. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F265. Now, here is Peter's story. Peter Shankman is a spectacular example of what happens when you merge the power of pure creativity with ADHD, a dose of adventure, and make it work to your advantage. Peter is an author, entrepreneur, and corporate keynote speaker, a worldwide connector who is recognized for radically new ways of thinking about customer service, social media, PR, marketing, advertising, and ADHD. He founded Help a Reporter Out, Shank Minds Breakthrough, Geek Factory, and more. So thanks to Peter for sharing his time with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Peter. Peter, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome About Your Job podcast. My pleasure. Good to be here. Well, you have had a fascinating background, which has been fun to learn about as I'm doing my research here. And I want to hear a little bit about some of your history when it comes to publicity stunts and, and people doing publicity stunts. Can you share maybe one of the most strikingly interesting, outrageously wild uh, publicity stunts that come to mind from your experience there? Well, first of all, I want to say it's really funny to be on uh, a podcast about being awesome at your job because I've had a, a, a total of one job in my entire life and uh, it lasted two years. And when I went to go to my next job, I realized that I just don't play well with others. And so I've been, I've been working as, uh, as an entrepreneur for about almost 20 years now and uh, it is never once felt like a job. So I think that number one key to being awesome at your job is to do something that you don't actually feel like you're working at. So it's pretty awesome. But I love your podcast and I'm happy to chat. PR stunt. What can I tell you? I can tell you that, you know, a PR stunt for the sake of a PR stunt is pointless. All the best PR stunts in the world, they do several things. They drive product, right? They drive sales. They increase brand exposure. They increase revenue. And you're never going to find a CEO who's a big fan of people who say, you know what? We should do this stunt. Why? It'd be great. It'll go viral. You know, it <laughs> go viral. It's like, yeah. shut up. You know, so... <laughs> It has to be. Remember, remember the. Uh, if you look at something like the, um, totally spacing on them now. Uh, the guy with the abs, uh, Old Spice, Old Spice. Several oh, years yeah. ago, they did. It. Okay, they did these things on Twitter where people would uh, email the or tweet the Old Spice guy, and he'd respond by a video. It cost about three bucks a piece to do. Generated ridiculous amounts of brand exposure and sales. Right. I've had clients. We've done events where we've created massive, massive publicity and massive, massive exposure that has led to sales. You know, some of the best ones I remember. God, back when domain names cost like 79 bucks a piece, we did one where uh, we offered domains for what it was a domain service, a domain name company, a TLD. And we offered um, free domains for one night to protest the fact that they cost 79 bucks. They shouldn't. And uh, we broke the Internet. It was um, back in 2000 where it was a little, little, there was still a lot of people on dial up and uh, we, we crashed the Northeast seaboard. It was pretty impressive. But, you know, again, great exposure. After the promotion was over, they sold like, I think 40 times the amount of domain names in two hours they would normally sell in three weeks. So if you're going to do a stunt at the end of the day and you're going to present it to your boss, they will look at you as, as, and think you're awesome if you come up with this great 
idea, but then also tie it into revenue, tie it into why it's important. Okay, well, I'd like to hear any that just failed, bombed, were just a silly disasters. I mean, there are tons. You know, you, you look around, I, I've screwed up ones. I mean, tons of people screwed up ones. You know, there are, let me think of what some great ones that have bombed. You know, I think anyone who, any stunts that rely on going viral, right? You know, you can't make anything viral. What you could do is make something good, right? So I would suggest that people need to focus on making things good because you make something viral, that's not going to do that great. You know, I, the only thing you make viral as far as I could tell is H1N1 or some sort of, (laughs) you know, you want to make something good. You want to make, create something that people say, wow, this is pretty cool to look at. I'm a huge fan of this. And I like this. I trust them. You know, no one believes how great you are anymore if you're the one that has to tell them. It's your goal is to create something that people understand and like and want and want to use without them saying, oh, yeah, I feel like they're marketing to me or selling to me. Understood. Cool. All right. Well, well, thank you. Well, so I want to spend most of our time chatting about some of the ideas and applications that you've collected uh, much of within your book, Faster Than Normal. Can you share with us what is sort of the, the main premise of the book and, and why is this important here and now? Faster Than Normal is the basic premise that a lot of us are undiagnosed ADHD. Some of us have already been diagnosed. I, I've had it for 10 years, but for 30 years, I've always thought I was just different, strange, right? At the end of the day, what you find is that ADHD has, since it's come out as a disorder, has always been considered a negative. And when I realized that I had, realized there was a name for it and realized what it was doing, I'm like, holy crap, this, is, this thing has actually done tremendously well for me. This disorder is actually responsible for the majority of my success. And when I realized that, I quickly became aware that ADHD can be considered a gift, not a curse, if you understand how to use it. And so for me, I've spent the past countless years documenting how I use my ADHD as a gift, what I do to allow myself to use it to the best of my ability to benefit my life, to allow me to sort of, for lack of a better word, do more than normal people. And it sounds like, it sounds crazy, but it turns out that when you have a faster brain, as long as you know how to use it, you actually can do a lot. Here's a perfect example. If I offered you the choice between a Honda and a Lamborghini, right, you'd probably choose the Lamborghini, right? It's a faster <laughs> car. You know, it's, it's, it's a sick ride. It's amazing. But you got to know how to drive it. If you've been used to driving a, a Kia Sportage your entire life and someone gives you a Lamborghini, if you don't know how to drive it, you're going to step on the gas expecting it to respond the same way that your Kia responds. You're going to smack into a tree or kill someone or, you know, fall off a bridge. You have to understand how to drive your faster brain. Driving your faster brain is different than driving a regular brain at a normal speed. So there are pluses and minuses to that. All right. Well, so I'm really intrigued to hear your point, just just so that folks don't tune out right away. He's like, well, I'm not ADHD, so this doesn't apply to me. So, But you said there are many, many folks who are undiagnosed ADHD. And I I had a former girlfriend who kept insisting that I too had ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) So what might be some of the, well, well, the telltale signs? And and what do we do about it if we find ourselves in that camp? I'll take it a step further for your audience. You don't have to have ADHD to appreciate the tools and the the sort of life hacks that I use on a regular basis. If you, you can be a normal guy who just, or a normal girl or guy who just wants to get three hours a day back in your life productivity wise. That sounds nice. Very nice. Yeah. The stuff that I do allows me to get about three hours worth of productivity back in my life every day. So, and and they sound crazy until you realize how beneficial they are. First example, I get up usually around quarter to four in the morning. Okay. 3.45 a.m. 3.45 a.m. And I, you know, 
my first, the first reaction of anyone who hears that is, wow, uh, that's crazy. What are you, a farmer? You know, and I get it. I get it. It's not normal. But, you know, the majority of things I don't, I do aren't normal, but they work for me. I get up so early because it is the only time during the day when I don't have to be on my phone or at my computer or doing something with work or focusing on my daughter, I can work out. So I get out of my bed and I either go to the gym, go for a run, or more often than not, lately get on my Peloton bike, which has which sits literally six inches from my bed. I sleep in my gym clothes, which again, that's crazy, but really, what are your gym clothes? Your gym clothes are a pair of shorts and, and a t-shirt, right? Probably the same thing you'd sleep in anyway, and my socks. So the second I wake up, I throw my sneakers on, I'm dressed. It's kind of hard to talk yourself out of going to the gym when you're already in your gym clothes, right? I have automatic lights that come on. My lights are all internet of things. My curtains, my shades, my everything in my, in my apartment is internet of things. So I can, the second, you know, 345 hits, the lights start coming up slowly. So I'm awake, you know, with, with natural awake lighting and I'm not, the chance of my going back to sleep are, you know, drop massively. Then once I'm up, I get on that Peloton bike. I do like an hour, two hours of working out. Well, what that does is that gives you a ridiculous hit of dopamine. Okay. It wakes you up and it, it gives you that dopamine, which is basically the focus chemical. It's the focus and happy chemical that says, Hey, you are awake. Let's go kick some ass, right? It's like runner's high, runner's high, essentially. Uh, you can get the same thing from speaking on stage. You can get the same thing from skydiving, same thing from illegal drugs. You know, it's that dopamine hit that, that everyone craves. Well, I am now full of it by 6 a.m. Okay, so now I'm out of the gym. I'm out of the whatever. I go to my closet to get dressed. And my closet has exactly two sides to it. And they're labeled. The first side says, says office slash travel. And it's full of t-shirts and jeans, just like I'm wearing today. The second side says speaking slash TV. And it's full of button-down shirts, jackets, and jeans. That's it. My suits, my vests, my sweaters, my nice shoes, all that stuff, my ties, those are all in my daughter's closet in the other room. Because if I had to go into the closet every morning and say, you know what? I wonder what I should wear. Hmm, let's see. Hmm, look at that sweater. Laura gave me that sweater. I wonder how Laura's doing. I should look her up. Let me check it. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook and I haven't left the house. Perfect. So you're saying that the key there is because of ADHD. Elimination of choice. Yes. Uh, understood. Okay, cool. And so then now a number of these rituals, uh, it seemed like, well, I don't know if you chose to do them as a means of, of managing in particular your or your ADHD because they sound wise just in general. So I, maybe I want to back up just a little bit though. So you wake up at 3.45 a.m. And what time do you go to bed? Usually around 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Okay, cool. And here's the thing, for everyone listening saying, oh my God, I'd miss out on everything. I'd miss out on all the business, you know, all the, all the good networking in it. No, you won't. I've been doing this for years. I have not missed out on a damn thing because all the people who really have the power to make decisions, they're not out drinking, mm -hmm. right? You're having breakfast with them at 7 a.m. at the plaza, egg whites and coffee. All right. That's the real thing. I have never missed out on anything business-wise by going to bed early. Okay, I'm with you. Well, so th there we go. So we talked about the elimination of choice in terms of in the closet, a lot of things are, are elsewhere. And it, it's labeled, it's so funny, I, I just labeled my closet because <laughs> recently because, well, there was all, all sorts of clutter. It's like, all right, we just got to get really clear on what goes where, and that way the clutter goes away. You know, it's like, yep. oh, this is the sweater kind of cubby. All right, all right. Yep. Now I don't got to think about it anymore. That's always where the sweaters are. And so I dig it. So very cool. Well, so that now you, you've sort of gone ahead and sort of defined in particular four undeniable life rules associated with, with ADHD that are applicable more broadly. And so what are those? 
Well, the first one, like I said, is is uh, exercise every day. Second one is elimination of choice. The third one is the concept of eating healthy. So when you're ADHD, you're just when you're you know driven. You tend to have two speeds and only two speeds. My two speeds are namaste and I'll cut a bitch. <laughs> there is absolutely no middle ground. Oh, there is man. no middle ground. And so once you realize that, it's a lot easier to live your life. So for instance, you know how people, there's certain people who, and I know some of these people, they get home after work and they're like, you know what? I'm tired. I don't really feel like cooking. I'm going to order in a pizza, right? And they order in a pizza and they have two slices and they box the rest up. They put it in tinfoil and they put it in the fridge, right? That's called leftover pizza to have at another time, right? Okay. I've never had leftover pizza in my life. That's just not a thing. You just devour the whole pie? If, if there's pizza in front of me, I'm eating the pizza. Okay. I have never <laughs> once had leftover pizza in my life. And you know, there was a comedian, I don't remember who, who said, um, I don't eat until I'm fully eaten until I hate myself, right? <laughs> and I have, I have, that's what I do. I basically, I sit there and I, I will eat the pizza because, again, two speeds. And so knowing that, there was a great movie that came out in the 80s, early 80s, called War Games. And it was about a uh, computer. Oh, right, uh, right. With the, the, Matthew the nukes. And, right, right. An interesting and, game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the computer understood, the very last line of the movie was the computer understanding that you can't win at nuclear war. And he says, the only winning move is not to play. And so I have determined that in my life, the only winning move for me is not to play. I allow myself certain time in very constrained conditions to play. For instance, the last two weeks of December, I knew I wasn't traveling, I knew I wasn't working, I, knew I, wasn't, I let myself eat, right? And But sure enough, I probably ordered pizza every single day. Now, I'm back onto healthy. And because of that, I cook all my food in advance. I have like, you know, every Sunday, I make a ton of skinless chicken. I make a ton of uh, lean flank steak, things like that that I can just carry with me. I have, you know, a ton of spinach salads, uh, yogurt, things like that. I take a yogurt with me out the door. I'm eating it as I walk to work. It stops me from going in, oh, look, there's a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, or look, there's a McDonald's, or look, there's whatever. It turns that off because I, I simply know that that is not an option at that time. And I have those, it, it sounds rigid, but it has to be that way because otherwise, like if I get, I work in a, a shared community space and someone's, some idiot is always bringing in donuts, right? And I would, uh, you know, a perfect example. I walked into my office today. I haven't been in since early last week because the holiday. Walking today, some cl- a client had delivered me a 10-pound box of, uh, one of those 10-pound tins of, of popcorn, regular cheese and caramel, right? I opened that. I opened the box. I took out the tin. I didn't even break the seal on the tin. I simply left my office, walked up to the, to, to the administration, the desk up front, and went to the two women who worked there. I'm like, hey, I got a present for you. And I left it there. Wow, you're so nice. No, I'm simply preventing myself from sitting in my office and eating 10 pounds of popcorn today. So again, eliminate that. Know what works for you. Know what doesn't. So I, I try to eat healthy. My logic is if my grandmother wouldn't have recognized it as food back in 1908, I won't eat it. All right. And then the fourth rule, uh, I think I've t- touched on this earlier, simply getting enough sleep. So it's amazing what happens when you don't get enough sleep. And the second you don't get enough sleep, your body, and it's the same thing without with not drinking enough water. Your body is unbelievably good at adapting. And so it will basically, if it says, okay, you know what? I, you haven't gotten enough sleep. I'm going to make you do other things. I'm going to make you think about, think that you want to do other things when I'm just trying to get you to sleep. Same thing with water. You haven't drank enough water. I'm going to make you feel hungry. But you're not actually hungry. You're thirsty. But I know there's water in whatever food you eat. And maybe that's a way for me to get what I need. Brain is amazing. So the corollary then on the sleep side is what's the body prompting us to do when we're sleep deprived? It varies. We could do everything from, oh my God, I need seven more cups of coffee, or I need to take a stimulant, or even just sitting in your office, zoning out, not being anywhere near as productive as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? And you know, it's, it's so funny because you have people, oh, I wish I had eight hours, I wish I could eight hours of sleep, but I, I just, I don't have the time. Well, I'm pretty sure that where you live and where I live, 
the sun orbits the earth around the, or the earth orbits the sun around the same time, right? Mm -hmm. If you live in one part of New York and I live in another part of New York and you say you don't have the time, but I somehow do have the time, I'm pretty sure it's not, the time has nothing to do with it, right? Because I'm pretty sure that we both live on the same part of the planet that revolves around the sun at the same exact time. So you don't, I don't suddenly have an hour more in my day time-wise than you do. What I do have is the priority. Okay. I'm with you. Cool. Well, so now I'm intrigued that in a way it seems like the elimination of choice is one that really reinforces and supports all the other three. No question about it. And so I'd love to maybe go a little bit deeper then on that. So we talked about the closet and the food. Uh, you know, what are some other ways you think professionals could really be enriched by some application of elimination of choice? My desk has my laptop on it. It has my screens on it. And that would be about it. Maybe it has a glass of, you know, a bottle of water. Keep your desk clean. Keep the stuff clean and you will find that there's nothing to get lost in, right? So I have to do work on Facebook for a living. And so I do a wonderful, I have a wonderful extension for Chrome called Kill Newsfeed, which does exactly that. All I see on Chrome is, is my advertising and, and things like that. So I don't get sucked down that rabbit hole. Wow. I go into specific places. I, I have five books that I've written. And for the last three of them, last three of them have been written entirely on airplanes not because I had, I mean, I fly a lot for work, but flying is also the best place where I can get work done. So I have actually done things where I will go and I will fly. Uh, I flew to Asia to write a book. I, I flew to Asia. I had two weeks left on my deadline. I wrote chapters one through five on the flight out. I landed in Tokyo. I went through immigration. I went back to immigration. I had a cup of coffee at the lounge, got back on the same plane, same seat two hours later, wrote chapters six through 10 on the 14 hours home, landed 31 hours later with a best-selling book. It sounds crazy, but again, if it works for you, it's not. Well, and, and I've heard, you know, sort of different variants of that, writing a book. Was it uh, J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter? Got yeah, a schnazzy hotel. Oh, same thing. Or same exact thing. some others will go to a, a remote cabin or cottage uh, type situation. My basic situation. thing is I need to work, I need to go to a place where I can go into what Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. Right. And the basic premise behind that is exactly that. On my plane, I am in my, what I call my zone of focus, Okay. Nothing can bother me. I have a flight attendant constantly bringing me water or soda, whatever. You know, it's in air, in flight internet, which kind of sucks anyway, so I don't have internet, right? I have, all I have is my laptop, my comfortable seat, a bathroom 30 steps away, and 14 hours to do nothing. I use a, a wonderful program on the Mac called Ohm Writer, O-M-M Writer, which allows you to, um, it shuts down every other program, alert, whatever, on your computer, as long as you're using it. And only shows you a white screen, a white screen that you can type on. Okay, interesting. And so that's just for for writing. Then it, it, it yep. won't just I block really out. Really good pair of headphones. I have some great work music, and I just go to town. Well, let's hear about the work music. What uh, what do you sport in there? Oh my god, it varies. It's everything from uh, themes, a lot of themes, a lot of theme songs, a lot of uh, movie uh, soundtracks. Right, some great ones from uh, everything from um, the Book of Eli, which is all instrumental, all the way up to like Rocky, which you know has some really good, powerful stuff on it. Uh, it keeps me going. For me, it's really about listening to, you know, having that music play in the background. Studies have shown time after time that music does help your concentration. And uh, yeah, it's really about having that, having, and I have my, you know, I love my headphones, right? I have my Harman Kardon P35s, I think. Great headphones, you know, and I, I use everything I have to get what I need to the, get into the zone I need to be in, the place I need to be in. So I can get everything I need to get done, done. So with the music, are you deliberately choosing, hmm, I'm a little sluggish or sleepy, let's let's kind of pump it up versus, ooh, I'm a little bit all over the place, let's, let's slow it down? Or is, is that kind of how you're, you're playing that game? No, 
Not necessarily. I mean, I, I have music. If you go to my work music, it does tend to be a lot less uh, vocals, a lot more instrumental. Because if it's vocals, I'll wind up singing along, which might not often help. But it's definitely a lot more instrumental. But yeah, I get it. It's, it's just music that I love. The kind of, you know, whatever works for you, use. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff for me that I'm just a huge fan of. Well, and I'm intrigued here. It, it seems like one of the, the themes that we're talking about here is from the early rising to the, the flying to Asia and back is about sort of, you know, isolation or, or separation from, you know, distractions in general, but but people in particular. And so I guess I'm curious about the the other people side of the equation. It's like, you know, one approach is to just get completely away from them via they're not awake or you're in a plane and, and you can't be accessed. You know, what, what are some of your other thoughts for how that you manage that area kind of prudently and appropriately? Well, in the respect that, you know, I have a four-year-old daughter and when I'm with her, I want to be completely and fully with her, right? I don't want to be looking at my phone. So I'll leave it, leave my phone in my room, right? I'll just go out and play with her. You know, for me, it's, it's really about being in that moment and being as present as possible. And I know that if my phone's in front of me, I'm going to look at it, right? And so I also know that I've, I've set up my life in such a way that I've worked, you know, by the time 5, 6 p.m. rolls around and I head home to see her, I've been working since what, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., right? So I can take a break. Right. I can go enjoy myself. And that, to me, is huge. There's no guilt there. There's no, you know, and, and I shut off my phone at night. Like, when I go to sleep, I don't just, you know, put it on silent. I shut it off. And what I found from that is that Oh my God, what happens if I shut it off? I'm going to miss so much. You know how many times I've actually missed an important call? I think once. And the people who matter in my life, my parents, my, my daughter's mom, they have my home number. Right. right. Worst case, if it's two in the morning, something's up, they can call the home number. It's, it's never been a problem. We make a lot more of these problems in our minds than really exist. Well, and I'm also curious to hear, you've dropped the name of several tools, whether it's a Chrome extension or a piece of software or, or your headphones. You know, I, I would love to hear all the more. What are some additional tools or, or hacks you're using with the tools, whether it's the calendar, the to-do list, or whatever, that you find handy for running your, your brain and your yeah, life? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, you have to figure out what ecosystem you belong to and stick with it. You know, so I'm in, I'm in the Mac and Google ecosystems. And so I have, have my iPhone. I also have, I also, but because I'm on Google, I also use a Huawei Mate 10, which is a phenomenal phone. I use, I, so I use both of them. And the apps that I use vary for what I need. I use everything from, um, you know, I'm, I'm huge on WhatsApp, on WeChat. All that stuff where, you know, I go overseas a lot. So how can I continue to be connected and not have to worry about losing that connection wherever I go and know that I can also shut down when I need to? So what other apps do I use? I love shopping, being able to, you know, think about something I might need, add it to my shopping order over the course of the week, and then just hit send every Saturday, right? You know, so again, it's really just eliminating the choice and eliminating the worry of, did I put that there? Did I take care of that? Whatever. Right. Now you say you hit send with shopping. So I use Fresh Direct. Uh, I don't, they don't. That's only in New York. I'm not sure if that's everywhere. But essentially, Fresh Direct, uh, you just order everything online. It shows up a couple of days later. It's from a store in, in the city. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, that's good. I, I dig Instacart yeah, here in thing. Chicago. Uh-huh. Cool. Okay. Well, any other things that you want to share when it comes to the, the creative energy or this you know, mythical hyper-focus? How do we tap into some of these superpowers? I would suggest one more thing, and that is that deadline. when you don't have a deadline, that's a problem. Like, I can't work without a deadline. And that, what I've learned is to tell my clients to give me an actual date and time that you want something. Because if they don't, what winds up happening is it becomes the most important thing to do until the next project I get. And then that becomes the more important thing and most important thing. And now I haven't finished the first one. So if you tell me, oh, just get it to me whenever, you'll never get it. But if you tell me I need it by Tuesday at 4 p.m., you'll get it Tuesday at 4 p.m. Because then I have a deadline I can work backwards from there. And, you know, we do that a lot. We tend to, most 
CEOs, we tend to not be able to complete things because there's always something new coming up. So if you give me a deadline, I'll make sure I get it. And then the last thing I suggest is, is make sure you have a tribe of people who understand what you're doing for a living and understand what you need and how they can benefit you. Essentially, have a support system. We don't talk about this, but working for someone else, entrepreneurship, whichever way you're doing it, it tends to get lonely, right? Most people don't understand what you do and unless they're working right with you. And of course, you don't want to share with right people right with you because then it becomes a, a competitive thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, you really want to focus on having a tribe of people. I mean, for me, I run a mastermind group. Uh, it's called it's called Shank Minds. And we have uh, just under 200 people in it, all of whom are either entrepreneurial in, in nature or, or work for themselves, whatever. And I could say, guys, do me a favor. I'm putting it out here. I want to make sure I'm up for the, you know, I have a thousand words I need to write by tomorrow. Just make sure I get it done. And, you know, I'll start getting emails 6 a.m. Hey, done it yet? Done it yet? Done it yet? And it forces you to do it. It's great. So a huge, huge fan of having a tribe, having a group of people who trust you, who you, who you trust. That's good. Well, th- thank you for sharing. And so then any thoughts on, on tapping into the hyper-focus and creative energies? I think at the end of the day, you can't force it, right? If you're not in a mode or in a mood or in the right place to get what you need done, done, don't do it right then. Do it another time, right? Do something else. One thing that I've, I've had great success with is doing things that I love first, right? So I'll go for a run or I'll do something, you know, I talk to kids in school all the time and I tell them, look, if you have two subjects of homework, right, math and English, and you love English but hate math, do the English first because you love doing English. That in itself will give you a little bit of a, a brain chemistry boost that'll let you get through the math. Now, I find that logical on one hand. And then I, I've got in my other ear, is it uh, Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog? You know, advice associated with procrastination or feeling like a balling winner who, you know, knocks out the trickiest thing at the beginning of the day and feels momentum. You know, how do you... Here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're going to have to get a, you know, your homework is due tomorrow, right? Either way. So for me, I look along the lines of being able to, I want every bit of availability to be able to do the stuff I love. And I know that if I do the stuff I love first, I'll be excited about it. I'll be happy about it. And then I will feel that hopefully will translate into giving me just a little bit of brain boost to get through the thing I don't love. Now, I totally understand what Brian said and all that. I, I get that. It's just different ways of working. Okay, gotcha. Well, then tell me, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Yeah, we're good. I think, you know, at the end of the day, ADHD or just trying to get more out of your day is actually a good thing, uh, as long as you know how to use it. Now, can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Uh, a skydiving friend of mine once told this to me. He said, if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. Oh, okay. I see two levels there. <laughs> <laughs> huge fan. Always been a huge fan of that. I'm tracking. All right, cool. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? So I I used to date uh, a woman who was a neuroscientist, a PhD neuroscientist years ago. And uh, she took me to, uh, she knew that I skydived and she used to do studies on the brain and things like that. And one day she said, I want to take your blood and just do some tests on you for fun. And she did this test for me on, on me. She basically took my blood like right before I jumped out of a plane. And then or right before, when I woke up the day I was going skydiving, because I have about 500 jumps. And then again, uh, when I came down, she said, yeah, when you, when you woke up, you're pretty much normal, classic ADHD, 25% less monoamine inhibitors, all those things. I have no idea what she meant. And she goes, and then when you landed, you were pretty much a coke addict. She goes, you were about as high as a guy, you know, you're about a molecule away from being a full-fledged junkie. I'm like, intriguing. And so it was sort of that wake-up call that, yeah, this stuff really works and, and you can use it to your advantage. I found that amazing to me. You know, getting your brain at that place where it's just supercharged, it's, it's just such a good thing. Okay, cool, thank you. And now how about a favorite book? Oh, it's my current favorite book. I've always, there's a great book called They Can Kill You, But They Can't Eat You. It's by a woman named Dawn Steele. She was the first female head at Paramount, and she talks all about making it in that industry. And it's a great, a great book when you're looking for uh, inspiration. 
Now, I've already mentioned several tools, but can you tell us about a a total favorite of yours? I think, like I said, OmWriter is definitely a given. Anything that allows me to work better, faster, quicker without delay. So whether that means not having to talk to people, you know, it could be anything from like an airline app, right? All the way to uh, my Canon camera, which transfers photos from my real camera all the way to my phone, you know, automatically. So I get great Instagram shots, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How about Text Expander? I'm a huge fan myself. Yeah, love Text Expander. I love, like I said, OmWriter. You know, all those things are great. I love, uh, I use a great one called Jing by TechSmith that allows me to grab, uh, it's a great screenshot program. Oh, right, yeah. So yeah, tons of them out there. Cool. Uh, Dropbox, Google Drive, all anything, again, anything that works for you. All right. And is there a particular nugget that you share that you sort of hear quoted back to yourself often? You can't make anything viral, but you can make something good. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? My life is at shankman.com. The mastermind is at shankminds.com. And the podcast slash book on ADHD is at fasterthannormal.com. Cool. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? If you do nothing else, get up a half an hour earlier. It'll change your life. Awesome. All right. Well, Peter, this has been such a treat. Thank you for, for sharing and, and good luck in, in all of your, your writing and masterminding and, and all you're up to. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Elimination of choice, a pretty cool idea, tool, concept. And you can kill a news feed with a Chrome extension. That's cool to know. And sometimes I think it's helpful to even just establish a clear rule. Like you're not even going to begin to entertain anything. Like I have a rule in the morning. I do not look at any screen or digital anything until after I've completed a, a few other sort of non-digital tasks. And that allows my creativity to, to roam free and do its thing and, and start in a, a less stressful, hectic sort of a way. And it even makes it fun when I get to open up the email and see, ooh, what was there? What was there? I've been waiting. It's like a, a Christmas present sometimes that you... Uh, waited for, as opposed to just constantly saying, oh, what's up? So that email processing becomes a fun thing, as opposed to, well, I've already seen all the really cool, interesting things, and now what remains is the drudgery. So it kind of keeps it a little bit more spicy for me by eliminating that choice. So anyway, works for me. Hope it works for you, some of these approaches and tools. And again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjump.com slash F265. If you haven't already, I hope you push subscribe. You'll hear from our next guest. It is Jeff Sanders talking about his book, The Free Time Formula. Hope to catch you there and peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.